Good evening. Welcome into the first 2024 edition of State of the Tigers, our weekly Mizzou athletic show here on YouTube or on a podcast or wherever you're listening, watching to us. We're on uh, we are a multifaceted show that comes to you many places uh, brought to you every week by James Carlton State Farm Insurance in Webster Groves, Missouri. You can get in touch with James at carltoninsurance.net. You can give him a call at 314-961-4800. James wants to do a few things. He wants to uh, straighten my background, first of all. I did that. But uh, also take care of uh, of all your insurance needs. He's going to do the best he can to give you the best rates. He also wants to help out Mizzou's name, image, and likeness efforts. So if you get a quote from James, he's going to make a donation um, in that regard in your name to help out Mizzou's recruiting efforts. Or you know what? Just call James, 314-961-4800. Talk Mizzou sports with him. I think he would enjoy that as well. James, hope I don't waste too much of your day by inviting people to do that. Um this edition, we're talking a little Mizzou basketball. Going to bring on uh, Drew King, who drew the last time I think we actually talked. Um, things were going very well in St. Louis for the Mizzou mm-hmm. basketball team. And then mm. you missed, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. I believe the kids would call it a banger against mm-hmm. Arkansas. It was me and one other media member. And then Matt Michaels, who actually works, does Mizzou stuff. That was the entire media section. So it was kind of like the equivalent of getting on a plane and being like, oh, nobody else is in my row. I can just lay down and take a nap here. I mean, that sounds like a good time to me, Gabe. I'm sorry I missed that one. It it was good. Um, the It's not really nap friendly. Um, it's it's a concrete floor. It's folding chairs that like I don't, I don't trust myself to, to lay <laughs> right. down and, and and sleep on those. But it was good. Um, it was they had some they had some like toasted ravioli and some it was solid media food. It was a, it was a good all around thing. Other than the fact they were playing Central Arkansas and it was a terrible basketball. Right. I don't remember what time um, the game tipped off, but if it was late enough, I'm I'm sure we could have probably figured out a way to get some rest in there. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a two p.m. game, um, which is like. When you get to my age, Drew, that that's prime nap time. That's about the time yeah. you're like, okay, most of the stuff is done for the day. I just had lunch. It's it's probably time to relax a little bit. So. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that game provided plenty of opportunity to, um, well, to to watch college football on my laptop. To be quite honest, um, mm-hmm. I learned nothing in that game. <laughs> um, you know, I I didn't have too many takeaways from it. I watched it um, while I was at my grandparents' place. Um, uh, you know, Tamar Bates had another good game, right? Uh, almost had a perfect night. Just had that one yep. miss in the second half. Um, so maybe he's uh, going to be the guy who steps up as conference play approaches and, and becomes a go-to secondary guy off of Sean East. But um, again, like a central Arkansas, pretty much everybody they play has done that to them this season. So um, I'm not sure how much stock you can really put into it. I'm, I'm, not going to stand for slander of Scotty Pippen's alma mater, despite the fact <laughs> they are three and 12. And the best thing Dennis Gates could say about them is they played Oklahoma well for a little while. <laughs> they played Mizzou pretty well for a little while too. Yeah. I, it, it was, it was, well, about it was close little... for 15 minutes, maybe something like yeah. that. Yeah. It was yeah. like an 11 point game for a little bit. Yeah. It is fair Morgan to ask how they scored 72 against Oklahoma. Cause Oklahoma is Oklahoma still undefeated. 
Um, I'll double check. Like they're good. Yeah, they. Yeah, I don't think so. They've lost one game. Okay. Season. Okay. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and Ole Miss are the two teams. And and this is good. like we're going to talk Mizzou guys, but we're going to look at the SEC and talk a little just kind of general college basketball because the football season's over. So like I know you guys aren't really yet transitioning into basketball season, but we're going to try. But Oklahoma and Ole Miss are the two teams that like for about three weeks now I've been looking at and go, I think there's a little bit of last year Mizzou in those teams. Like nobody really picked them, but they both got really good coaches. Yeah, they're both kind of feasting early on their schedules and i could see people looking up and going oh hang on they're a six seed in the tournament right yeah i could definitely see that for Ole miss here yeah i mean you called it before the season like chris beard is just finds a way when he takes over a program like he doesn't waste any time and i think especially because of the second time transfer rule kind of opening everything for everybody and making everybody eligible um, they're going to get Musa Cisse. They're going to get Brandon Murray. So it's going to be a deeper team than they were before they went on this long winning streak. Um, so, yeah, like, Ole Miss, I, I still wonder, like, you know, how much have they really been tested in the non-conference season? Right. I, I checked today. I think they had the third easiest um, non-conference schedule out of all the SEC teams today, uh, as of today. But, um you know, but well, no, you can't argue against it, right? Like they they've won all the games they were supposed to win. Because about this time last year, that's the same thing everybody was saying about Missouri. Was mm-hmm. well, yeah, we know, but like they haven't beat anybody yet. And then they just kind of then this was right about the time they had their breakout was was the Bragging Rights game, and then I think the December thirtieth game last year was Kentucky, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, and so then people started taking them seriously. So I could see Ole Miss. I I don't know what their schedule is, and I don't really care enough to look, but. Like they might beat somebody early in the SEC season, where all of a sudden you have to go. Oh, we're maybe we should pay a little more attention to them than we are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they are ranked like twenty second in the AP poll right now, so it's not like they're yeah. getting totally overlooked. But they might be like a, a top twenty team rather than a top thirty. Yeah. Um, I want to invite you guys comments, questions again. Uh, we'll have Gerard Hamilton and a football show tomorrow night. We're focusing on hoops tonight. So comments, questions about Missouri basketball, all that throw them in there. We will get to them throughout the show and just kind of finish up this, the central Arkansas stuff with, uh, mm-hmm. Sam saying that, or Sam saying, uh, Aiden and tomorrow both had career highs tomorrow actually had 25, which is the most points any Missouri player has scored this year. And I kind of, I didn't ask it in exactly these terms, but Dennis Gates spent so much time last year telling us Nick Honor's got to shoot more. I'm curious if that's what he's telling Tamar Bates. Like, look, man, it's time. You got to go be the number two offensive guy here. What did Dennis say? Um, I don't remember. Um, I wrote a story. (laughs) Tamar did say say that, like, he, you know, they tell him to be more aggressive. And and I asked Dennis – if now I do remember, I asked Dennis, I said, you know, he said, you talked to him about it. So what's that conversation like? And he said, well, I want him to be more aggressive with his right hand. Cause if he would have used his right hand on that one shot, he would have been 10 for 10 and he was only nine for 10. So shocking. I know you'll, you'll be to find out it was not a real answer to what I had asked. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, right before I, I went back to Texas, um, I, I, 
went in person to listen to Coach Gates talk on the radio at Tiger Talk. Um, and, and CY was the, their special guest that night. And afterward, I went up to shake hands with CY. Um, and I told him, you know, he had this <clears throat> lecture at the coaches clinic during the offseason where um, he was talking about how he teaches players to drive to the rim, right? And he's got the wipe, mush, and hold the line. And I've, I told him, you know, I've been practicing that move and it's been helping me in, in some pickup games recently against Gerard. Um, and I, I told him, but you know, one issue I keep having is when I, you know, get into the lane, I'm, I'm going too fast and I have to rush the finish. And he said, you know, Tamar has that same problem. And he's been in my office every day and we've been watching DeAndre Golston clips. Cause that's who was really, really good at that. Um, so I, I do think that they're probably working with him and, and probably need to make him, a focus on becoming that second guy in the offense. Mm. And I, I think he really looked good against central Arkansas. He had a pretty big game against Seton hall. Um, so yep. like the potential is there. Um, I, I agree with you though. Like they, they have to drill it into him. You have to be that guy. And he was one of the few guys. I mean, he only had 10 points against Illinois, but on that night, that was good. Like he was their second best offensive player in that game. I thought mm -hmm. um, he's, he's shooting. He, he and Sean East are now both in the top 10 in the country in three-point percentage. You yeah. Know, but they are fourth and fifth on the team in three-pointers taken. Like, it, it's those guys. In, and I did find it interesting. And it, actually, I'll get to this in a minute because uh, Sam had mentioned Aiden Shaw, too. Aiden had 10 points. He was aggressive. It was four dunks and a layup. I still want to see Aiden. Like, he dribbled a couple times, which was good. Um, but That's I more than see, he's had the last couple games. Right. I want to see yeah. more, like... I want to see it. It's great that you can get four dunks, but you're not getting four dunks against most SEC teams. Mm -hmm. So that that range, if he's going to be a consistent contributor, Gates praised him after the game. He was one of the guys he brought into the interview room because he had five rebounds in 17 minutes. He played well. I'm not saying he didn't play well, but I just still want to see him expand the range. Not not the three point range, but expand it to 10, 12 feet. Yeah, uh, can you hit a jumper at the elbow in the high post, right? Like, or or uh, in the short corner. Like, um, he doesn't have to be a, a three point shooter, like you pointed out. Um, if he can be that kind of presence on the boards, um, and you know, do what he's been doing defensively without fouling, that's kind of been one of his hangups on that end. But yeah, if if he can be you know a, a non zero on the offensive end, mm -hmm. like that's what's going to get him some extra playing time here is the ability to mesh with these lineups and not drag the offense down. Yeah. I thought the most interesting thing Dennis said after that game was somebody asked him, you know, like what, what it might've been me. I can't remember. There weren't very many people there, but what, right. what do you need to improve going into to conference play? And he said, not our three point percentage, but, our good shooters have to be taking the shots and shooting well. And he specifically pointed out Noah Carter, who is now something like two for his last 23 from three-point mm -hmm. range. It's, and, and, you know, Nick Honor hasn't made 50% of his shots since the Loyola game. Yeah. So whether that is Nick and Noah have to start shooting better or Nick and Noah have to stop shooting, I, I don't know. But it, it was the first kind of public acknowledgement that – Look, guys, despite what he says, he sees the same issues we see. Like, he's not mm -hmm. he's not blind. He's not dumb. He gets it. He's just not going to angrily call it out in the media. 
Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. They scored 92 points against Central Arkansas, but they didn't shoot it that well from the three-point line. I think they were like 25% or something like that. So um, it's not like they solved that issue in this past game. I do think they got maybe some mojo back, snapping the losing streak, but go ahead, Gabe. It's not the three-point percentage that I think is bad, though. Like I looked a week Mm -hmm. ago, they're 1% worse than they were last year. Now, I think a lot of those have come in games that were over. So, like, you know, they hit three late against Illinois that didn't matter at all. So that makes the percentage maybe, like, if you could look at the percentage versus the percentage in actual non-garbage time, you know, if there's a way to break that out, it probably looks different. But I, I don't know if it's the overall shooting percentage that's bad. It's it, They're actually a significantly worse two-point shooting team than they were last year. Yeah. I think that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because you don't have Kobe Brown on this team anymore. Um, so you kind of need Noah Carter noticed. to be a better finisher. You need Sean East and Tamar Bates and probably not Nick Connor to be getting to the rim. Um, yeah. But you know, on top of that, like they're they're also not the same team, um, turning the ball over or, or, or racking up steals and scoring in transition, right? Um, I think yeah. that teams have been a little bit more privy to that this season, getting back on defense and not letting them push the pace as much. So um, that's kind of been a, a hindrance for them offensively as well. Yeah, want to hit up uh, a few of your guys' questions, and then we're going to talk a little bit of SEC. Uh, Tom wants to know, we're just going to start with the hardest one. What happened to mm-hmm. John Tom I don't know. He got hurt, and then we just never – we never hear anything about it. Yeah. Um, that, that's I really – I assume it's still hurt. I assume it's still related. Uh, I mean, he – we – kind of floated out there that he had an amputation, which is pretty really? hard to come back from. Game. Which is inaccurate for the, yeah. for the record. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, like I did have some higher expectations for John Tanjay coming in. I'm sure Dennis Gates did too, um, but he just hasn't really been the same guy. He's gotten a few chances, but has, hasn't really shown anything that would earn him significantly more minutes than he's gotten so far well and the thing is what i'm not sure of is because he's played a couple times like you said is it a okay he's gotten out there but he's not been all that effective so we're not playing more or is it hey we're testing him now nope still not healthy enough got to sit him yeah i don't know yeah so the thing that concerns me with that is like historically dennis gates will sit guys when they aren't a hundred percent healthy. Like he likes to be overly cautious with, you know, like a Trago million injury last year comes to mind. Kobe so, missed a couple games last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the fact that Tanjay is getting out there makes me think that he probably might be healthy and this is kind of just what he is. But again, like you said, like they haven't told us anything about it other than he's available. Um, so that's that's kind of all we really know about it. We'll stick with the injury uh, questions. Lenny wants to know when will Caleb Grove be coming back? Am I right that when he was initially injured, they said five to seven weeks? That's correct. Does that sound right? Yeah. I'm not going to be surprised if we don't see him again. I'll hmm. just say that. I, I okay. will not be surprised if Caleb Grove doesn't play this year. 
I I wouldn't be surprised if it takes longer than expected. Um, yeah. Like it, it, I don't know what exactly the injury is, but he's got a cast on his wrist. I mean, um, the KU game was something like what December tenth, twelfth, somewhere in that range, right? Right. Yeah. So so five weeks the, is a week and a half from now. That's the mm-hmm. early part. I can't see it being that soon. Right. Seven weeks is late January, like around the Texas A&M Arkansas mm-hmm. game, somewhere in there. Yeah. Well, and you got to think too, like your wrist is kind of important playing basketball. So I do think it'll yeah. take a little while for him to get back into the swing of things, even if he's cleared to play by that time. Yeah. Uh, so Todd wants to know, is this team fixable? Let's define what we mean by fixable. Yeah. Can they be better than they have been? Yes. Mm-hmm. Can they be what they were last year? In my opinion, no. No. Um, can they make the NIT? Would that be fixable? I think they can make the NIT. Um, I, I'm not going to say they can't make the NCAA tournament. I just don't think it's a realistic thing to talk about right now. Right. Like I've got to yeah. see them go string together three or four wins before I'm mm-hmm. going to talk about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of those wins could be Georgia this weekend. Should be. Should be Georgia. Yeah. i um, got a couple other questions and then we'll get to that, the SEC schedule and all that. Uh, Christopher says expectations adjusted for the team this year. What kind of record do we need to, to at least avoid decommits and losing the recruiting momentum. So I want to be real clear on this. The recruiting class for next year, they all signed. Guys, like, unless they just, like, decide, oh, I, yeah, Missouri's not as good as I thought they were going to be, and I want out of my letter of intent, and they want to go through this waiver process. It's not going to happen. These guys have signed. They've got them. Aaron Rowe is committed a year before he has to sign. He's not decommitting. He's going to Missouri. Mm-hmm. The recruiting is fine. I mean, you know, like he signed Trent Pierce and uh, Anthony Robinson and Jordan Butler based on nothing. Like right. last season hadn't started when he signed those guys. Those guys signed to play for a program that looked to be in significantly worse shape than the program is in today. So, like, the the future is still very, very bright, and you should be very excited about it. It's just that the present isn't great. Correct. Um, if Christopher means maybe like recruiting on the transfer portal trail, I do think that this season comes into play a lot more, right? Because I think it helps it. You think they, I mean, if I'm a transfer and I've got a year or two left, I'm going, I can play there. Mm. Like they need dudes. Yeah. I, I see where you're coming from. Well, and, and, to your point too, like they made the NCAA tournament last year and, um, you know, some people had this transfer class ranked pretty high, but not all of these guys have panned out so far. So, mm-hmm. um, and we do know, like they did miss on a couple of guys. They brought in some people for visits that they didn't end up getting. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like maybe, how this season plays out like you don't necessarily need a, a fantastic record to still do well in the portal yeah and uh Sam wants to know who else are they looking at in terms of recruiting i mean it's all portal at this point it, it they'll take however many spots there are and 
like realistically there's two, but the way Dennis has constructed this roster, there might be 17, um, you know, cause he just can take as many guys as he wants. Um, but like, they're not going to take any more high school guys this year. And we don't know who's going to be in the portal. The portal, I assume opens up right after the NCAA tournament. Do you know if that's accurate? I think it opens while the tournament's ongoing. I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. Like like right before the final four, I want to say. Um, but Sam on top. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sam on top of that, I also just last week or this weekend listed every single 2025 recruit uh, that they've offered so far. So y'all can go check that out on PowerMizzou.com. Do that, guys. I encourage it. Um, all right. So SDC play starts on Saturday. Um, fair to say that regardless of what you think Missouri's SEC record is going to be, Georgia at home is one they should win. Yes, uh, I would definitely agree with that. Um, Georgia, they've been pretty solid in non-conference play. Um, their best win came against Wake Forest, but that one was at home. Um, and then their other two uh, high major wins have come against Florida State and Georgia Tech. Those are two teams that I think that Missouri is probably better than. Um, Florida State's down bad, man. Mm, they lost. Did not, they lose to Lipscomb the other day? Yeah, it wasn't looking good for the Seminoles. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like Georgia, it's a team that is getting better under Mike White. Um, they they have a pretty good recruiting class coming in next year as well. Um, but I, I don't know that they're going to be one of the top teams in the conference for this season. Yeah, uh, Missouri is 91st at Ken Palm right now. Georgia is 86th. Um, so, like, they're they're basically viewed as fairly even. He's got Missouri winning that game at home by three, um, you know, is his, I guess, predictive uh, deal right now. But that's right. one that got to win because then next Tuesday you're at Kentucky. I think it's fair to say that would not be one we expect Missouri to win. That would be – their best win of the season if they pull it off. I mean, yeah. they 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 caught Kentucky by surprise last year, but they did the same thing with Illinois in the bragging rights game. And and so I think that Coach Calipari is going to bring kind of a similar mentality as, as Brad Underwood. They really want to get that one back. And that one was at home and turned mm -hmm. out Missouri was better than Kentucky last year. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know. very um, true. I don't think that's the case this year. I think Kentucky's kids are have figured it out a little faster. And I mean, I Drew, I can't remember when it was, but it was November. Like you and me were watching Kentucky, not together, but like we were texting about it and go, oh, hang on. They look real good. <laughs> um, I think it was the Kansas game. I think that I was think the one right. yeah. and like they they really put it to Kansas. Um, they they lost to UNC Wilmington, but it was uh, it was really because they were missing DJ Wagner that game. Um, and since then, they've gotten Aaron Bradshaw and Yugana Oyenso back. So their front court's even deeper, which was one of my main concerns coming into the year was they, they had like one big man. And I wasn't sure how they were going to rebound. But I think the biggest difference for Kentucky this year has been they're actually shooting threes, Gabe. Um, yeah. They've got these freshmen who – kind of like Mizzou last year, nobody told them they weren't supposed to be this good. Um, and so like Reed Shepard has, I think the top effective field goal rating in the nation. Um, Antonio Reeves has become a, a go-to scorer. Um, 
Rob Dillingham has been electric off the bench. Like they've just got dudes all across the roster. So that's going to be a really tough one for Missouri. Yeah. And I promise I'm not going to run through the whole schedule. We'll just kind of do January. So Georgia and Kentucky, then South Carolina at home at Alabama, like South Carolina is at home is one that like South Carolina is a little better than I gave them credit for. But Mm -hmm. again, if you're going to get anywhere, you've got to beat South Carolina at home. Correct. Yeah. Um, South Carolina, they're, they're kind of in a similar situation as Ole Miss, just without the credit that Ole Miss is getting. Like, their only losses come against Clemson, um, but they've also played the easiest schedule in the league so far. So, um, yeah, if, if Missouri wants to be somewhere in the middle of the pack in the conference, that's a team you have to beat. Yeah, and then Alabama on the road. Look, Alabama's fifth at Ken Palm. They're good again. We we know uh, that's probably not going to be great. Uh, but then Florida at home at AM is the next week. Again, it, like this team's going to have to be like eight and one at home if they want to yeah. get to the point of like, because I don't think the SEC, the SEC has three or four, I think, very good teams. But like when you're getting the teams that aren't in that group, when you're starting your first three home games, are Georgia, South Carolina, Florida. Like, you can't lose any of those games. Yeah. And you think, too, Gabe, like, the the couple of teams that Missouri has to play twice, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, uh, it's not like playing a Kentucky or an Alabama, right? Like, those are good teams, but they are teams that you should stand a chance against, at home at least. Um, so, like, it's not going to be the toughest – schedule in the league for Missouri but they do really need to win these games at home because um like the ones on the road are going to be pretty tough like you're playing at Kentucky and you've played at Kansas this year yeah exactly so um yeah like the home schedule is going to be really important for them so here's the stretch that defines this season for me um You've got between January 27th and February 10th. Here's Missouri's schedule. At South Carolina, home against Arkansas, at Vanderbilt, home against AM, home against Mississippi State. Like Vanderbilt's awful. That's a road game you have to win. South Carolina by that point, like that's that's not a road game that you ever look at and say there's no way we can win that, right? Mm-hmm. Texas AM, Arkansas. Mississippi State at home like they're good teams but like if you can find a way to be four and one in that stretch or god forbid five and oh like then I start to really take you seriously and say okay yeah maybe they've figured this thing out but that two and a half week stretch to me is going to pretty much tell me everything like four and one or better okay you might have something here but if you limp through that at two and three or something like that I, Mm. I mean I don't even think the NIT's in the cards yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you there because there are um, – it, it's kind of like this past three-game stretch where, um, you know, you played Kansas, yeah. Seton Hall, and Illinois. You wanted to see how Mizzou stacks up against those teams, um, and we found out, like, okay, Missouri's not – well not, would be the answer. Yeah, yeah. not is not on that level yet. So that's going to be kind of a similar stretch where you, you figure out, okay, where does Mizzou really stack up in this conference? Um, yeah. And so if you – want to be somewhere in the middle like you said you got to come out with a winning record in there so christopher says what kind of conference record do you expect based on what you've seen thus far and like i mean just 
talking through this schedule, like, I don't know, is 500 out of the question in this league for this team? Looking it would, at the schedule, it doesn't seem like it should be, but watching this team play, I don't see them as a 500 yeah. team in the SEC. That's that's the real thing here is, is like, can Mizzou step up through the conference play? Like, can they correct some of these mistakes? And can they also, like, can, can they get Caleb Grow back? And how much does he help this team? Um, so if they're able to improve, like, I don't think that 500 is out of the question, but like they they've got some red flags that they really need to take care of at this point. So I look at it this way at Kentucky's a loss at Alabama's a loss at A&M's a loss. I would say at Arkansas is a loss because, you know, that's a tough place to play. Yeah. They just, they don't generally play well down there. Then you're going to have Auburn and Tennessee and A&M at home. Like I think you probably drop two of those. Yeah, if, if we're being realistic, so that's six losses off the bat right there. So, you know, basically, again, this entire season comes down to okay, teams like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Georgia, South Carolina that like they're not the top of the league, but if you want to be in that middle of the league or around 500, those are the teams you have to beat. You have mm-hmm. to, to get to seventh place in the league by making those teams be ninth and tenth in the league. Correct. And, you know, Gabe, like one of the big things that helped Missouri last year was that they didn't lose to the bad teams, right? Right. This year, there aren't as many bad teams to pick on, right? Like there's a little bit more of a mix in the middle of the conference. And so, yeah, like some of those 50-50 games, you have to come out on the right side of if you're going to make a move up the standings. Yeah, I'm not sure the top of the league is as good as it was last year. Yeah. But I think the the middle and bottom of the league is probably better than it was last year. Absolutely, yeah. There's there's only – I mean, LSU is ranked 102nd at Ken Palm. That's the worst team in the league besides Vanderbilt, who's 208. You know? And they're going to get they're gonna get better, Gabe, because they just got Jalen Cook back, who is like has immediately become their best player. Um, so, like – what LSU has been in the non-conference, they're not going to be the same team going into SEC right. play. They gave Texas a pretty good run for their money at a neutral site court. Yeah, and and like the reason I'm referencing Ken Palm, I, I just find him to be the 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 best guy that yeah. does these type of things. I mean, Missouri right now is 91st. That's 12 mm-hmm. out of 14 teams in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not because of the schedule strength. Like they've played some teams, but like they have four wins against teams that are three thirty and lower, which means they're four and five against teams that have a pulse. And that's include that it's that's if you include Jackson state with a pulse. Yeah. 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 Um, which it, they did well, for at least three minutes, but. <laughs> um, Kim Palm has Missouri finishing six and 12. Do you feel like right. that's... But individually, he actually only has them winning five games in the league. But, you know, right. it's like, well, yeah, odds are one of those that I don't predict is going to be a win. So if if I put the bar at 8 and 10, um, would you take the over or under? I feel like that's about right. Um, like, I, I, I think... And look, feel free. Tell me I'm carrying Dennis Gates water and I believe too much in him. And that's fair. Like, I just... He's 
his first four years tell me he's better than this and he's going to figure this out to some degree. I don't think he can figure it out like to the tune of 11 and seven right? being in the, in the tournament discussion, but I think he can figure it out like getting this team within shouting distance of 500 in the league. Like, I don't know if they can get to nine to nine, but I feel like eight and 10 is realistic. Yeah, I I agree with that. Which isn't great. I understand that puts you 16 and 15 on the season. That's, That's not ideal. But it, for what the non-conference has been, it also wouldn't be like the worst conference record based on how right. things have gone so far. Yeah, if you win eight and ten, if you could win the first round game in Nashville, at least you're playing in the NIT. Now, mm-hmm. look, I have a long track record of saying that doesn't matter. I hope if they're in the NIT, it's a road game, and I don't have to pretend it matters. But like at this point, you you have to you have to readjust your goals. Like if, if you're talking NCAA tournament, not in the NCAA tournament is a failure, then yeah, this season is probably going to be a failure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be a hard uphill climb if they want to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, like it's going to take Noah Carter being a different player, Nick Goner being a different player. I don't know that they are. I, I mean, like, I don't know that we're quite to the point of saying it's going to take four wins in Nashville to make the SEC tournament. Right. But I'm not sure we're far off from there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, we are not. Uh, Connor asks, do we think Gates will find a true eight-man rotation this season? And if so, will he maintain it? It's sure. I've seen nothing to indicate he will. I mean, I mm-hmm. think he will maintain it if he finds an eight-man rotation that he likes, but every game I go to, he just seems like a guy that is searching for any group that can play well together. Yeah. I mean, if he finds eight guys that will give him like a consistent, good 200, or 200 minutes, is that how many minutes are in a game? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if he can find like eight or nine guys that will consistently produce like I, I think he showed last year that he he's willing to do that, but yep. uh, this team has not shown that at any point of the year so far. Right, like who on this team screams they have to get more minutes than they've gotten so far? I would say Tamar Bates, and he's started mm-hmm. to get more. Other than that, I can't name a single guy who I say, well, it's unfair he's not playing more. Right. And, like, you can say, well, why isn't Trent Pierce or, or Jordan Butler? You know, Trent Pierce are... has been bad when he's been out there, except for mm-hmm. one game. Exactly. And, like, you might say, well, you know, is it because he's not getting enough opportunities? And I would I would say probably not. Like, Dennis Gates has gone to him a couple of times, and he doesn't he's always started. look great out there. Yeah, twice. And yeah. so, like, yeah, I, I agree. Like, Dennis is – still kind of searching for what that eight-man rotation is going to be. Um, and it might take them a long while to figure out. And, right. And look, the simple the simple thing is Nick Honor and Noah Carter are going to be in the rotation. They mm-hmm. just are, guys. Uh, okay, there's, there's actually one other guy who I think deserves a little more time than he's got. Kurt Lewis. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't look at Kurt Lewis and nothing jumps out hey, he's really good at this, but like he seems to produce and they seem to play better when he's on the floor. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is they they play better with him when he's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not always sure why. Like it, it just kind right. of 
it's it's kind of a change in demeanor when he's out there. I think that he likes to push the tempo a little more and, and maybe the team plays a little bit more naturally. Um, and like you do have to respect him from three and he's a good defender. Um, so I, I think that he just does enough of the little things that make the team better. But um, it, like, would you start playing Kurt Lewis 25 minutes a game? I'm not sure that I would. Yeah, I'm not either. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because because it seems like maybe if if I can't tell you exactly why he deserves more time, it seems like maybe if he gets more time, you go, oh well, that's why he wasn't getting more time. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, but like you know, he's not the first guy off the bench either. Like usually, it takes Gates mm-hmm. a little while to go to him, um, and so like if if he's a part of the eight man rotation like you are going to be playing him upwards of 18, 19, 20 minutes. Um, so I think that kind of the approach right now is, is probably the right one that Dennis is taking. Uh, Christopher, this, this will be kind of the last question. Then we'll just kind of finish up on some general SEC stuff. Uh, Christopher says, I have faith in Gates, but what concrete evidence is there that this will be any different than Conzo Martin where things started strong and then were average to below average? So, Drew, do we have – do you have, like, 90 seconds for me to just get on a soapbox here? Yeah, go on. Go on ahead, Gabe. Conzo Martin at Missouri was more or less who Conzo Martin was before he got to Missouri. That was a guy who was, until his last year, like, never great, never terrible, Um, made the tournament once out of every three years or four years. Like he put a fine product on the floor, but there was nothing in Conzo's resume before he got here that indicated he was going to take Missouri basketball to the level you're wanting because he never had done that. Not at Cal, not at Missouri State, not at Tennessee. He had been to three NC, two or three NCAA tournaments. He had won two games there or three games. They were all in the same year. He got Tennessee as a play in team to the Sweet 16, which it's fluky. What were they? They were a 12 seed. They weren't a team that won three straight games. They were a 12 seed. They weren't all that good. Um, What he was here was almost exactly what he had been for 14 years before he got here. What gives me faith Dennis Gates is better than that is the four years he has had as a head coach so far. He has been better than expected every single year. Like the overall record looks worse because he was 11 and 20 at Cleveland State. 11 and 20 at Cleveland State either got him or should have gotten him Horizon uh, Conference Coach of the Year. It did get him Coach of the Year yeah, honors. It was so much better. So it looks bad on the overall record, but it was so much better. So he has been a head coach for four years, and his team has been better than people thought four years in a row. This is the first year his team has been worse than people thought. And so I'm inclined to believe that four years tells me more than one year tells me. I would also say, not knowing a whole lot about the Conzo Martin era, um, Dennis Gates, I think, has been recruiting at a really, yes. really high level um, beyond just his first class. Like, um, I don't know, like, how many classes did Conzo have where he brought in three number one or, or top one. top one hundred fifty? Yeah, one. one. It was his first one, and like I've said over and over, he didn't really recruit Michael and Jonte Porter. They were sent to him. And that's not a knock on Conzo. The the qualifications for getting those kids to the University of Missouri was do not be Kim Anderson. That that was the entire qualification. 
pretty and Hanzo wasn't. Yeah. So. <laughs> but um and also I'll say this, like you know, I I take a lot of heat for what I thought about Eli Drinkwitz coming into this year. Guess what, guys? Eli Drinkwitz taught me something this year. It was the recruiting rankings do matter, and you do have to give them time to show up. Um, I, it was, in retrospect, unfair of me to be questioning why his recruiting classes weren't really showing up yet because they'd only been on campus for a year or maybe two. Well, guess what? They showed up this year. Luther Burden showed up. He was a dude this year. Some of the transfers showed up. Ennis Rakestraw, Chris Abram, like these guys played well. And so Dennis is recruiting this, these guys who are freshmen, they're not having bad freshman years. They're having freshman years. Mm-hmm. And so you would expect them to be better next year. The guys that are coming in next year are a higher quality of recruit than the guys that are here this year. So on our boating, honestly, yes, I expect him to have a pretty solid impact. He's the 21st ranked player in the country. Those guys generally show up and play pretty well. Marcus Allen might not in year one. T.O. Barrett might not in year one. But two years from now, we're looking at a roster full of top 150 players. Mm-hmm. They're going to be with a year of experience. They will be better then. Yeah, Um you you think about Aiden Shaw too, and kind of the the leap that he's made from year one to year two. Like um, some of these younger players do, kind of need some time to to take that next step. Um, so yeah, I agree. Like Dennis Gates. I mean, even look at wise. look at Sean East last year. To this mm-hmm. year. I mean, he's a better player this than this year than he was last year. He's a better player now than he has been at any of his other stops. Um, right. I mean, you think about it, Gabe, he was like, he had a career high in D1 of like 12 points per game. And now he's averaging 17 and is the number one three point shooter in the country from a percentage standpoint. But yeah, uh, yeah like I think that Dennis has shown a, an ability to recruit at a really elite level so far. Um, and so I, I don't know that this season is going to be a fair indication of that. Like. Nobody wants to go through growing pains. I get it. Nobody likes to deal with it. But like Drinkwitz said a number of times coming into this year, progress isn't linear. It, it, you're not just here and then here and then here. Um, sometimes you take a step back. Sometimes guys don't improve. Sometimes guys get hurt. Sometimes you misevaluate guys in the portal. You know, sometimes you try to give a guy a role on your team that that he just can't handle. And so – there are down years. Everybody has it. Kentucky had one last year, right? Kentucky was, eh, there, were, eh, there were some people pretty tired of John Calipari. I bet those people, well, I was going to say, I bet they're less tired of him now, but I know Kentucky fans, they're probably not less tired of him now. Yeah. They're maybe not the most uh, even keeled bunch when it comes to basketball. But my point is, unless you are, well, I was going to say, unless you are Duke, but Duke has down years. Carolina mm-hmm. has down years. Um, I can honestly only think of one program in the country that over the last 20 years has not had a down year. And I can't say who it is on here because people will get real mad at me. <laughs> but there's only yeah. one. That's it. Yeah. Everybody else has had down years. Yeah, Villanova comes to mind as yeah. somebody having a down I mean, year. UConn wins national titles in their up years, and in, your down, in their down years, you forget they exist. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gonzaga has down years. 
Virginia won a national title and, and hasn't really been the same since. So uh, it happens. It happens. And yeah. like Mizzou's had some still like some pretty decent wins. Like the Pitt and Minnesota games are are solid. They're not, they're not terrible. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, and so if this is okay. the worst season that Dennis Gates has and this is the down year, like it's still not horrible. You know, like it could it could have been a lot worse considering all of the talent that left. Yeah. All right. So let's run through the SEC real quick. Um, okay. Give me your. I, tell me of these five teams, if there's any of them that can't win the league. Okay. Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, A&M. I think those are the five best teams in the league. Are there. Do you look at any of those teams and say, yeah, they can't win this league? Um, no, I think they're all pretty capable. I think of those, Auburn is probably the one I'm, I'm least confident in, but I, agree. Um, I, I think that, you know, if Aiden Holloway can keep playing like he has been, like, I don't see a reason why they couldn't. Yeah. We got five teams that have double digit non-conference wins. Tell me who's for real. And it just each one of these for real or not real Mississippi state real. Yeah, I agree. Florida. Oh, uh, uh, good question, Gabe. Not real. Florida. They're gonna miss the NCAA tournament. You think so? Okay. I don't know. I I, I don't know why I say that. I just don't have a lot of belief. Like it's, I saw this last year, they should have been so much better than they were last year with the guys. Yeah. The it's interesting because they're they are a different team, right? Like they're they're more perimeter oriented, but they still have bigs that'll go and crash the boards for you. So I'm gonna say Florida's real. Okay, see, I like you bringing real basketball knowledge. Yeah. I don't like I've seen none of these teams play. Okay. I'm just spewing stuff off the top of my head. Okay. Um. All right. South Carolina, twelve and one, real or not? Not real. Yeah. That's just a gut reaction. Ole Miss thirteen and zero. I, I lean not real just because of the strength of schedule, but I, I feel like I'm going to be wrong about that. They're real because of Chris Beard. I think they make the tournament this year. Uh, Georgia, 10 and 3. Not real. No, they're fake. Yeah. Um, okay, now uh, Arkansas is just in a, 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 a category of its own here. They were pre, were they preseason top 10? I don't. They quite remember. I remember John Fanta had them as preseason number three, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, they, they were ranked. Um, so I forget if it was Parrish or Norland, or one of them picked them to win the SEC. Yeah. They're nine and four. They are 59th, I think, in Ken Palm. I'm not even, they might, oh, yeah, they're 59th in Ken Palm. I think Eric Musselman, every year, like he's Quinn Snyder. Mm -hmm. during the season you watch his teams play and you go they should be so much better than this why are they struggling why have they lost this many games and then come march they win two or three games and you go see i knew it next year's their year and then they do the same damn thing in the regular season the next year like they don't show up until it's march yeah so i don't know like they're in their own category they should be better than this but i say that every year uh, Eric Musselman is a is a coach that plays for February, right? Like he's gonna experiment with his lineup as much as possible until he doesn't, he can't anymore, right? 
Um, so yeah, I think that Arkansas is a team that usually gets better throughout conference play, and I expect the same for them this season. Okay, so by non-conference record, by the way, Alabama's eight and five non-con. Um, yeah, so I'm I, assuming I, I they've only lost to really good teams. I should have uh, backed that up. Uh, so. I was looking at their their schedule today, and you know they're number one in adjusted offensive efficiency in Ken Palm, and it's because they've scored over a hundred points five different times. Um, right. But it, it wasn't All to anybody good, yeah. And and like the good teams they have played, they've lost to all of them. So I I don't know yeah. that. Alabama is necessarily a league winning team. Like they they have a lot of firepower, but um, defensively, I think that there's some issues that they've got to figure out. Yeah, they've won. Uh, they've lost five games. They've all been to top thirty teams, but their best win is number fifty Oregon. So yeah, it's, it's hard to know. But but we're going to say out of the teams that are eight and five or worse in this league, it's Alabama. Missouri, LSU, Vanderbilt. Alabama does not belong in the conversation, in my opinion, with those other three teams. Now, I'm not sure they're going to win the SEC, but I think mm -hmm. they're a team. Yeah, I agree. Do we really think Missouri belongs in a conversation with LSU and Vanderbilt? Because I don't. No, um, I think that it's, there is some recency bias given like the teams that they just played against, like Kansas, Seton Hall, and, and Illinois. Those are three really good teams like you just saw Seton Hall take down UConn uh at the end of December so uh like th they didn't look good against those teams but they're not going to be playing those caliber of teams every single night like there's going to be more games that are like Minnesota or like Pitt where it's a little bit more evenly matched so um I, I think that Missouri is probably in a tier above LSU and Vanderbilt no research no thought Missouri finishes in what place in the SEC? Um, I'll say eighth or ninth. I was going to say ninth off my gut reaction. I was going to say ninth. I want to be different, so I'll say tenth. But uh, but I, ninth is ninth was my first thought too. So um, all right, Saturday at noon, Georgia. Um, Drew, you will be back in the lovely state of Missouri by then. Mm -hmm. uh, so appreciate that. Um, look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Uh, hope you had a good break. You don't get another one for three months. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to it. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Want to remind you once again, um, these shows, our weekly shows brought to you by James Carlton State Farm Insurance. Check them out at carltoninsurance.net. Get in touch with them on the phone at 314-961-4800. James can take care of all your insurance needs. Chat a little Mizzou football, Mizzou basketball with you. And uh, probably hook up Mizzou's NIL efforts. So appreciate you guys hanging out. Once again, we'll be back tomorrow night. I'll be back tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, with Gerard Hamilton. If he is feeling a little bit better than he currently is, uh, Drew will not be back tomorrow, but he will be back in Missouri on Thursday and full coverage of Mizzou Hoops going forward. So we'll talk to you guys next time.